before you know it, we became a version of ourselves that we thought we needed to be in order to fit in and be loved. And that version of ourselves is kind of who we think we are, but it's really a conditioned version of ourselves. And so in that, because we hold so tightly to the version of ourselves that we become, that we start losing touch with our essence. We start losing touch with our full potential. Hello and welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. I'm excited about our guest today, Coot Blackson. Are you ready to move past struggle and discover the freedom and possibility on the other side of surrender? Coot Blackson is an inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He is the author of the best-selling book, You Are the One, and his latest book is called The Magic of Surrender. Coot, welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I love, I mean, I love all that you do and I've seen some of your videos and they're so inspirational. I, I guess I'd like to start with how can we, big one, how can we awaken to our full potential? I mean, it depends what you mean by full potential and it's a pretty, uh, it's kind of a, a broad question. You know, I think ultimately uh, we all have a sense of infinite potential. We're born in touch with that full potential. If you look at a child, a child is fully alive. A child is fully in touch with their essence. A child is fully connected to their divine nature. A child will jump on a table and they will sing and they will dance and they will shout and they will, you know, cry and they will laugh. They don't care if they don't sound like uh, Celine Dion, you know, or Adele, or they'll run naked and fully express. The child is fully in touch with that sense of, who they really are, you know? And so the question is, what happens? What happens to us as children? And so we're born uh, unconditioned. We're born in touch with that potential. We're born alive, aligned, uh, whole, perfect, complete. And then we incarnate into this human experience and we meet our parents. And our parents, they're just doing the best that they know how to do based on their conditioning, based on their parents, based on their grandparents, based on, you know, uh, generational patterns. And so now we incarnate into this human experience and the conditioning process begins where we start losing touch with our true essence. We start losing touch with our full potential, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, maybe, you know, and we were all born into certain uh paradigms and 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 patterns and so maybe dad was an alcoholic maybe mom was crazy maybe they were fighting all the time and so slowly we started learning all sorts of strategies to shut down disconnect not feel we started uh learning all sorts of ways in order to disconnect and avoid the pain of what was going on around us and we also started learning the sense of who do i need to be in order to get love and validation and approval so we started to shall we say, contort ourselves into a kind of shape in order to get love and to be validated and to fit in. And, and before, you knew, before you know it, we became a version of ourselves that we thought we needed to be in order to fit in and be loved. And that version of ourselves is kind of who we think we are, 
but it's really a conditioned version of ourselves. And so in that, because we hold so tightly to the version of ourselves that we become, that we start losing touch with our essence. We start losing touch with our full potential. And so I think first we have to recognize that we have been conditioned in some way. Uh, and I think if we can start recognizing that the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not really free, uh, then that's the beginning of awakening. That's the beginning of transformation, just to recognize the ways in which we've been conditioned and have the willingness to question our conditioning. I just felt, I mean, as you were talking, I love, I love how you speak and your message, but I just felt sad in a way. You're right. You see a beautiful child full of life and, you know, not worrying about what people think. And then somehow we are so conditioned and we get stuck and yeah. we forget our freedom. Yeah, yeah. We we we. And forget, life I think can be hard. The challenges, of course. Yeah, I think life can be very difficult. Life can be very challenging. It takes a lot of courage to live in this human experience. But I I really believe this is why we're here. We incarnated into this human experience in order to learn, in order to grow, in order to evolve. We incarnated into this human experience in order to remember who we really are. To me, life is like a. Um, a university for our soul's evolution. Life is like the school for our soul's evolution. So as souls, we're souls. And we incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, in order to grow, in order to evolve. Uh, and every situation, every hardship, every difficulty, every challenge is really kind of the, the lesson, the curriculum. Everyone is our teacher. And so I think if we first recognize that we are souls, and then as we go through every challenging experience, if we have this awareness that we are souls, then I think we can go through each experience with a different lens, with a different awareness, with a different understanding. So that as we're going through difficult situations, rather than kind of contracting and collapsing, we can go through it from a soul perspective and ask ourselves, okay, what is the lesson that my soul is seeking to learn in this situation? Why did I attract this situation? You know, what is this situation teaching me? What am I seeking to learn? And I think if we will, if we're able to learn the lessons where we are with who we're with, it gives us the ability to go through the situation differently, to learn the lessons, and despite the challenges of life, to grow and to evolve and to expand and to and to hopefully then transcend the situation, the experience, and the lesson and attract something different. And so, yeah, I think life is. Life is challenging in a certain way, and there are many limitations in a certain way, but I think part of the game of life is we incarnated into this limited uh, experience called being human, you know, in the physical body to learn how to become masters in limitation and through that to remember who we really are. And I think our true nature, our true potential, our true essence is infinite, is unlimited, is divine. Our true essence is beyond physical. Our true essence is not limited. And so I think part of life is, and the process of life is to remember who and what we are, which is not easy. It's not an easy process. Yeah, as you mentioned from, you know, from children, whatever the baggage, we just hold on to all these baggages. How, mm -hmm. how does one not only in their own situation, but free. How can we free ourselves from past hurts, past conditioning? How, how do we do that? Yeah, I think I think part of the first step is to even realize that you're conditioned. And I think if there's one, I think 
it, it, it's not a step-by-step -step one, two, three, four, five formula. I think it's a process because every human being is unique. Every human being has a different experience, has a different, has different baggage, has different wounds, has different pain, has different traumas. And so I don't think there's a like a cookie cutter approach. Um, I think we have to be willing to have the courage to acknowledge our pain and to feel some of that pain so that we can let go. But I think if there's a place that we can maybe all begin and all start, I think one of the things that keeps us stuck in patterns, keeps us stuck in our conditioning, I would say uh, in, in certain ways are all the ways that we, we lie to ourselves. And I think in many ways, we've become so conditioned growing up from childhood, becoming who we thought we need to be in order to get love, validation, approval, having to betray parts of ourselves in order to have mom and dad and the world love us, that we've, we've learned to lie to ourselves in a certain way in order to not feel the pain of our environment, in order to function, survive and cope, that in, in many ways, we may not even know that we're lying. We're in denial in a certain way. So I think one of the places that we can just start the process of transformation as a beginning is, 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 is having the courage to tell the truth. To me, there is no transformation without truth. There is no healing without truth. And so I think if we can just look at, okay, well, what, are the, what are the ways I'm lying to myself? How am I lying to myself? And just begin acknowledging that, begin questioning that, because in many ways we're afraid to question because we learn to not question in order to just survive. It was a survival mechanism. And so I think if we can just start with, okay, well, what, what lies am I telling myself? And just sit with that and really ask ourselves that hard question and, and, and really be willing to tell ourselves the truth. Like, what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? And, and I think in many ways we lie to ourselves we don't even know that we lie to ourselves, but then the effect of lying to ourselves is we feel pain in our life. And that's how we know, like we feel emotional pain could manifest as depression or a sense of disconnection from joy and aliveness, uh, a physical pain in some way, a temporary physical pain, like a backache, a shoulder ache, a, a neck ache, you know, it, 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 even though it's temporary, can be sort of our unconscious speaking to us. Maybe an ongoing disease in some way can be some something, some part of us that we have denied manifesting that energy, that emotion, that suppressed emotion manifesting in our body in some way. So I think pain in many ways is a signal that we're not necessarily telling ourselves the truth. So if we're willing just to start with the truth, I think that's when things can begin to shift. And so the challenge is also, I think in many ways, we feel pain, but we've learned to deny it. We've learned to distract ourselves. We drink it away and smoke it away and social media it away and shop it away and work it away just so that we don't feel the pain that's there. But for me, pain is a blessing. Pain is a signal. Pain is a sign. Pain is simply feedback that there's something we're not really paying attention to. And so I think if we're willing to to, to embrace pain as feedback, embrace pain as communication, and just sit with, okay, what, what is the message of this pain? What is, what is it that I need to feel that I've so suppressed for decades? What is it that I need to acknowledge? What is the sadness, the pain, the resentment, the hurt that I have not allowed myself to feel that is so buried deep inside of me that 
I'm carrying that into my life and relationships and experiences. And often we end up recreating situations over and over uh, over again based on the suppressed feelings that we're not willing to acknowledge. We'll tend to manifest experiences in our life that will recreate the things that we're avoiding. And so I think if we're willing to start with the truth, if we're willing to just start with acknowledging the pain that we may not even be aware of and feel it, to me, all feelings remain present until felt fully. And so I think if we can start with the truth, which takes some courage, this is a foundation and a beginning. To me, the truth is what will set us free. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, fear is such a pain or suffering or or fear of whatever the fear may be. It's such a powerful thing and it we justify it in so many ways. How do we overcome the fears, which you just detailed, that someone that's I'm giving an example. I'm just speaking for the audience. Okay, well, I'm in an unhappy marriage. I don't like my job. Tell, I tell have the to truth. pay the bills. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Most of the times we we stay in relationships that we know what is we know is not right. We 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 work jobs that we hate, but we kind of, you know, we, we don't we we're often afraid to tell ourselves the truth because we're afraid of the consequence. Oh shit! If I tell the truth, then what will that mean to my marriage? I'm gonna have to leave. If I if I if I acknowledge that I really don't like my job, in fact, I hate my job, then how will I pay the bills? And so we kind of like, well, we suppress the truth. Well, I should be grateful. Well, that's when we distract, we deny, we suppress, rather than just acknowledging the truth. So I just would invite people take the take the the pressure off of yourself from having to take any action. You don't have to take any action. Because sometimes the fear of taking action is what suppresses the ego kicks in and that's what suppresses the truth. So we're afraid of the consequence. So the self-protective mechanism kicks in and we start denying. It's a well-intended intention to keep us safe, but it keeps us stuck. And so if we can just start with the truth, you don't have to take action. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to make any decisions. Just tell the truth. I'm not in love. I haven't been in love for 10 years. Just acknowledge that. Just start there. Just feel what that feels like just to tell the truth. If you start there, that will begin a process inside. That will start a process inside. That will take you to the next step. Many times we jump to like 50 steps ahead. Oh, my God, it's going to mean this. It's going to mean that. It's going to mean this. And we go into a negative future fantasy and we create a negative future fantasy about all the bad things that will happen, many of which often end up not happening if we're really honest, but but if we're able just to start telling the truth without the pressure of taking action, then we get into relationship with what we really feel. You cannot really shift something and transform something if you're not in touch with, if you don't get into relationship with what is. And to me, getting into relationship with what is, which might sound like, I hate my job, and that's scary for me. Then if you can acknowledge that it's scary for me, then you can maybe get in touch with the fear. And then you can, we can begin to explore the fear and deal with the fear. But if we're so busy being in denial, the fear that we're suppressing will block us and run us and prevent us from moving forward because we're so busy suppressing it that we're not acknowledging it. You know, so if we can acknowledge like, yes, I hate my job. Oh my God, I'm terrified. And let me, and then you can just even just be with the fear. Because when you're able, you will often find when you're able to be with the fear, the fear begins to soften and the fear begins to lose its grip. And many of the things we're afraid of will never happen. Many of the things we're afraid of aren't based on 
sort of uh, reality. Like uh, often people say, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I won't have any, enough money. So like, like, what is it we're really afraid of? When I, asked, when I asked somebody the other day, like, what is it you're really afraid of in pursuing your dream and letting go and, and, and leaving your job? And they were making up all of this. That they actually couldn't even tell me. So, so I asked them, is it, is it that you're afraid that you're going to be like homeless living in downtown on the street in a cardboard tent? And they said, well, no. I said, so what is it? Well, I guess, what's the worst that would happen? Sometimes when you can make peace with the worst case scenario, it frees you because you realize the worst isn't as bad as you're making it up in your mind. And many times people realize that the worst case scenario that they're making up in their mind, like in the case of my friend, her worst case was, well, if I leave my job and pursue my dream and it doesn't work, okay, then what? Then what? Like, seriously, then what? Well, then you'd be homeless? Well, no. Then I would go live with my parents? No. Then then what? Then I guess I would pursue my dream for three months, run out of money, and go get a job doing what? Doing what I'm doing now. So in a sense, you're already living your worst-case scenario right now in the job that you're in. So the truth is, like, what do you have to lose? And so I think if we're willing to just acknowledge the fear, you will often find and feel the fear that the fear dissolves. And as the fear begins to dissolve and lose, loosens its grip a little bit, then it can free you up to just see what, what, what is the next step. And I think that's, that's important to focus on. Like, what is the next step? And what I will also say, too, is if you don't feel some fear in your life, because people often think fear is bad, but if you don't feel some fear in your life, chances are the life that you're living and the goals that you're pursuing is actually too small. You're playing small. <laughs> if you don't feel some fear, probably you're playing it very, very safe where you're not expanding outside of your comfort zone in any way. So you feel zero fear. Like it doesn't, you don't feel any fear thinking about walking from your living room to your kitchen. There's no fear because there's no growth there. But if you're thinking about taking a step that is outside of your comfort zone and doing something you've never done and going somewhere you've never gone, yes, it's a bit scary. It's meant to be scary because you're going into the unknown. So I would say acknowledge the fear and breathe through the fear. Don't resist the fear. Welcome the fear. Because when you can acknowledge the fear in your body without projecting, without resisting, without judging, without pushing it away and just experiencing, you'll see that fear is really an energy. If you take the label off, it's just a sensation that is moving through you. Because we put labels on it and what we think it means and we project in the future, then it, it kind of blocks us. It, it makes us afraid. And so I think it, it, it keeps us stuck, I should say. So if it, I think if we can just acknowledge the sensation that is that we're labeling as fear, you will find that it, it, it kind of moves through and it doesn't have to sort of grip you in the way that it will tend to grip you when we make up all sorts of scenarios and resist it and fight it and push it away. Just It can just pass through you. In a, it, it, it can pass through you much more fluidly. Oh, my gosh. I, I just loved how you explained that. It's so true. I mean, gosh, I've done it myself with the fear, you know, what if, and then you, we project all these future plans and scenarios. It's, it's so that true. don't happen. No, I know, but and so then, then, then we kind of freak <laughs> ourselves out about things that haven't happened and make ourselves miserable now, and then we stay in a small little zone and and end up living a small life when, in fact, 
None of it's even based on reality. So when we feel a fear, we have to really ask ourselves, is it true? Is it based on any reality? Is this fact? Is it fiction? Is it, is it you know, and I think if, if we're willing to question, like, is this based on any reality? Many of the things we freak ourselves out about are not based on reality and not based on what is actually happening now. And often when we can acknowledge the fear and bring ourselves back to the present moment, how we can just breathe. We can scan our body and get in touch with our body. We can scan our environment and look around because often when we're in fear, we're not in the present, we're in the future and we've gone somewhere else. So if we can bring ourselves to the present, we will often find, we will often find, now there are exceptions, but we will often find that, yeah, I mean, everything is okay now. But then the mind goes to, but it might not be. And in the future, yeah, but aliens might come from the sky and kidnap you and you might die tomorrow. You might hit your head and get run over by a, by a fire truck or a motorcycle. I mean, we, we don't know. And so I think if we're able to bring ourselves back into the present moment, breathe, connect to your body, scan your body, look around the room, take a deep breath, you know, and just be present here right now, rather than going into the future, then you can focus on, okay, the future is not even real. And the future is not something you necessarily have control over. What you have control over when you're in the present is, okay, what's the next action? What, what do I have control over now? And what is the next action step that I can take now? Because it's the actions that you take now and what we do in the present moment right now that is going to determine our future anyway. Beautifully said. I mean, uh, someone said to me once, um, and, you know, just the simplest quote that you, I often think of it, she said to me, why would you think that the future would be much worse than your present? And it just made me, you know, it was just like that light bulb yeah. moment that yeah. we do that so often. Um, I would love you to talk about your book, The Power of Surrender, your latest book for the sure. audience, for those that haven't read it. Sure. What would you like me to talk about? I'm going to leave this one up to you. This is your show okay. today. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I wrote the book, The Magic of Surrender. This was not the book that I thought I was going to write. This was not the book I wanted to write. In fact, I had um, I had my own agenda of the book I thought would sell, the book I thought publishers would want, the book I thought my audience would want. And I started coming up with a with what I thought was a clever plan and strategy. And I had a whiteboard one day of probably 75 ideas of book titles, and they were all smart and clever and great, but none of those felt real and none of those felt authentic and none of those felt sincere and none of those felt in alignment. The only word I wrote on that board of the 75 was a little word at the bottom of the whiteboard that said surrender. And I thought to myself, oh, shit, I, don't, I, I, I feel that that has energy and nothing else has energy. That's the word that has energy. But I don't want to write about that because there's so many misconceptions that we have about surrender. It's kind of like we know we should do it and we hear about all the great ones and, you know, the, the, the monks and Jesus and Buddha and what have you talking about surrender. But we often have so much resistance in terms of surrendering. And so... I had to surrender to the book about surrender. And when I did, that's when I think the magic flowed. That's when I feel as though everything just unfolded in ways I could not have imagined. And the, the book came together, the writing came together, the, the publisher came together. And so I think also 
the seed for the book was planted a few years before, but I also wasn't aware and I wasn't paying attention. In that, in 2000, end of 2016, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer and she was the person I loved the most. And when I look back, I see that the book was seeded then in that when my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer, I began, I live in Los Angeles. And so I began flying back to London um, where my mother lived literally every month for a week to be with her for 12, for 12 months. So three weeks in LA, one week in London, three weeks in LA. And I would just be with her and take care of her for the week and be in chemo sessions with her. And we got to have some of the most profound, beautiful, amazing conversations that I just, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just, I was so, I thought I was so busy living life and helping people that somehow I didn't make time for. And so what ended up, what started out as the worst year of my life became the best year of my life because I got so close to her. And, and about seven months into the process, trying to get my mother better, the doctors came up to us and they told us in the hospital room, look, there's nothing else that we can do for you. You're going to die. So get your affairs in order. And I never forget that moment, you know, when the reality hits you and you realize there's nothing that you can do. You, you're not in control. And I looked my mother, we went outside and I looked my mother in the eyes and I said to her, two questions. Are you afraid? And my mother, this little Japanese woman said to me, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not this body. This body is a temporary vehicle for my soul. This body will die. This body will dissolve. Yes, it's true. But what I am, my true essence, is eternal, will live, will continue. And so even when I'm dead, I'll be with you from the other side, guiding you. And I felt the conviction in the knowing of who she was. And I felt the freedom in her knowing her true essence, her infinite potential, her true nature, you know, beyond this physical body. And she had peace. And then I looked my mother in the eyes and I realized for me, this is where the seed of the book was planted, where I looked her in the eyes and I wanted to be a good son. And so I said to her, what can I do for you in your final days? Like, what, what, where do you want to go? What do you need? What can I buy? And my mother looked me in the eyes and she said simply, like, there's, there's nothing I need and there's nothing I want. All I want is what God wants for my life. And in that moment, it was a very simple statement. But I realized what she meant. I realized that she was totally free. She wasn't attached to dying. She wasn't attached to living. She was permitted and open to the highest unfolding of her soul's journey. And in that, in that she was surrendered, you know, and she was, she was free. I mean, she was in complete peace. And that's where, where I saw that... Surrender is the password to freedom. That surrender is the real key to the next level. Surrender is the real secret to manifestation. Surrender is the real key to the, the real secret to the great ones. Whether you look at Jesus or Buddha or Gandhi or Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King or Mandela or Bruce Lee or Muhammad Ali, at some point, they all had to surrender themselves to life to the universe, to God, to, 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 to their soul's highest impulse and expression, to the deepest truth inside of them. And in that surrender, I think they were able to transcend their 
limitations, the human limitations, and tap into another another dimension of life. And that's when life was able to flow through them and move through them and express through them and use them in ways that I don't think they could have planned and manifested on, like with their own limited personal human power. They transcended themselves, you know, and that's when I think the magic happened. That's why for me, the book is called The Magic of Surrender, not not the art of surrender, not the pow- power of surrender, but the magic of surrender, because magic is that which is beyond our human ego's capacity to imagine what's possible. It is beyond our imagination, is beyond the persona, is beyond the mind. And, and I think when we truly surrender, that's when magic happens. Not like a hocus pocus kind of magic, but more joy, more abundance. And I think if we look at the best things that have happened in our lives, all of us, if we look at the best things that have happened, meeting that soulmate, meeting that person, that magical moment, much of it we didn't plan. It kind of happened in the process of living life. And if we look at many of the best things, they kind of unfolded better than we could have imagined. And so for me, if you want more magic in life, the key is you have to surrender. And surrender is the key. And so for me, also in our culture, I think there's so many misconceptions about surrender. This idea that surrender is weak, surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, that surrender is waving the white flag, that surrender is you know, it means you're going to get left behind. You're going to be a doormat. You're going to be a victim. You're going to be taken advantage of. You won't manifest your goals, your dreams, desires if you surrender. So don't surrender. Like, surrender means you sit there and do nothing. And so who the hell would want to surrender if that's that's kind of how we hold surrender as some weakness? And I'm actually saying, no, if you understand the real essence of surrender and if you so truly surrender, like the great ones demonstrated, what if you didn't get less in life, but what if you got more, more than you could have planned for yourself? And so surrender is a, it's a letting go of control, or I should say, I should say letting go of the illusion that we're even in control in the first place, but, but it's a letting go of control, control being the master addiction. Surrender is when you stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be and how you think it should look and who you think you should be and how you think life should be so that you can take the limitations off of life. And that's when you surrender and you're you're totally open to the infinite possibilities and unfoldings of this intelligence that is life itself, the same intelligence that is living you, the same intelligence that is breathing you, the same intelligence that is digesting your food, the same intelligence that if you cut your finger, it knows exactly how to heal you, the same intelligence that is functioning the sun, the star, the moons, and all of existence. This intelligence is the very essence, talk about potential, of what we are. And so it's a surrender to what we truly are, which is our true essence, which is a an aspect of the divine. And so I think when we truly surrender, that's when, you know, the magic happens. That's when the miracles happens. That's when the, the, the miraculous unfolds. That's when we unlock the key to the next level. To me, the old paradigm that we've been kind of conditioned into is a paradigm of like, you know, even a lot of the self-help books talk about this. You've got to know what you want. You've got to get clear on what you want and know what you want. And I'm not saying that's not helpful. 
and that's not a, a level of the process, but a life that is created from the mind or the personality or the ego will be limited because the ego, that which we perceive ourselves to be and identify as based on our conditioning from childhood, the ego is not able to see the entire perspective, the entire unfolding. The ego's perspective is very limited in a locked into a very limited perception. So when we're manifesting from the ego, we can manifest good things, but life will often be limited in a certain sense. And so this whole idea of know what you want, but many times, I think many of us have had the experience where we we didn't manifest what we wanted, or I should say what we thought we wanted. And we got what we thought we wanted, only to realize that what we thought we wanted was only what we thought we wanted based on who we thought we were. And we achieved it, the car, the house, the job, the relationship, what have you, only to be filled with a sense of like, I don't know if this is what I really want. I thought this was what I want, but I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I mean, is this it? And I think we've all had that sense. And so I think many times our goals can be projections of unmet needs from childhood. I didn't feel enough. I didn't feel lovable. I didn't feel beautiful. I didn't feel so daddy didn't love me. So if I can achieve that thing, then I'm going to finally be enough. But it doesn't work that way. So for me, there's a different question that I invite people to ask. Yeah, get clear on what you want, that's great, but don't get attached to it. But the bigger question is, what is it? What is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that the universe is seeking to express through me? What is it that my soul is seeking to manifest? What is my soul seeking to express? What is the deeper intelligence? What is, what is life seeking to manifest through me? What is a deeper impulse? the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express through me. And then it's kind of like aligning and tuning into and aligning with this authentic expression. When you can then align your personality, your ego, yourself with this deepest authentic impulse, then you can catch that vision. Then you can go into action. Then you can bring your personality and your planning and your strategy and your marketing and your resources to support the, the deeper intention of what's truly authentic. So what you're surrendering to is the truth. Again, what you're surrendering to is your soul. What you're surrendering to is what's authentic within you, aligning with that and giving 100%. So just to be clear, it might mean you work harder than you've ever worked. People like Gandhi and Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King, they were not lazy. They worked hard, but they were in alignment with a vision and a purpose that was truly their highest. And so it might mean you work harder than you ever worked, but you're now working in alignment. And the key is, yes, you give 100%, but part of surrender is you, you're not attached to the outcome. You, you don't hold so tightly to the outcome or the idea or the thing, or the relationship that you think it should be, but you you remain open. You you high involvement, total like hundred percent commitment, but low attachment. And when you can be open without attachment, then you're available to allowing life to lead you, allowing life to guide you. And I think that's part of the essence of surrender is where you can allow life to show you and guide you. And that's I think when the magic happens. Oh, what 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 a powerhouse 
of inspiration you are. Um, just another question. What's your advice for the audience or tips how to connect into that soul purpose, that intuition? And how, one might say, well, how do I surrender? I don't know what, how do I do it? Well, first, let me just decipher your question. You said, how do I connect to the soul purpose or intuition? That was two questions. <laughs> okay. So, so, so just, just, just so I can stay clear. Okay. I think, I think part of it, you know, how to connect to your soul purpose or your soul. I would just invite people to create space and time to be still. Many times we're so busy running around, being in action, running around, trying to manifest, running around, busy, 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 busy. And often if you ask us, well, what are you busy doing? We don't even know why we're so busy. We're just busy running around because this is what we, we are conditioned to do. Sometimes we stay busy because when we're busy, we don't have to actually tune into our soul. Because there's a part of us at the deepest level that knows everything. There's a part of us at the deepest level that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are connected to everything. But sometimes we're afraid that if I actually am still and I sit and I listen, I might actually listen to my soul and hear my soul guidance. And that can feel a bit scary sometimes to, to, to listen to your soul because sometimes what your soul guides you to do will not always make sense to your mind. What your soul guides you to do may not always be what you think you want to do, you know? And so sometimes what your soul guides you to do, because it arises from a deeper dimension than your logic or your mind or your ego, there can be a fight. And so because of that, we sometimes create so much business so that we don't have to listen to our soul. Because when we listen to our soul and we be still, we become quiet. We will begin to sense. We'll begin to feel. We'll begin to intuit. A, a sense, an energy, a feeling, a, a, a whispering. Your soul will speak to you, either through the sensations in your body. Your soul will speak to you through your intuition, through voices. Your soul will speak to you through the nudgings that you feel inside. Sometimes your soul doesn't speak to you in a loud siren bell like turn left, but it might be a kind of a subtle sense. Mm, something's off here. Mm, something doesn't feel right. Mm, you know, call that person. Mm, you know, listen to that podcast, mm, go to that coffee shop, or it just might be a clue that shows up. But because we're so busy, we're not sensitively paying attention to a tune to be to, to be able to notice that the winds of our soul is kind of blowing in a certain direction. So I think if we can just take time daily to just be still and listen, we'll begin to tune and see and sense things. That's that's something I would say. Um, stillness is key. You know, be still and know. Be still and know because there's a part of us that really does know. So let me just start there. Yeah, beautiful answer. Thank you. And it, does that tie in with surrendering? Yeah, I think I think surrendering, I think part of surrendering goes back to one of the things I said, which was starting with the truth. Surrender starts with the truth. One of the ways... Look, one of the ways that we resist surrender is it's the ego that resists surrender. And the ego is that which we mistakenly perceive ourselves to be based on name, body, mind, form, past experiences. The ego is a reaction to certain things that happen from a very young age. The ego is a reaction. The ego is a reaction. The job of the ego is to protect you from getting hurt 
And the job of the ego <clears throat> is to reinforce its existence. And so mom wasn't around, dad wasn't around. There was so much instability in our environment. That was painful. So we learned to shut down, disconnect, not feel. We learned to close our hearts in a certain way. We learned to disconnect from our feeling capacity, close our hearts, disconnect, go into the mind, overanalyze, shut down our sensitivity, our feeling capacity, our connection to our body, our connection to our feeling. Because this way, if I don't feel anything, I don't have to feel the pain that mom isn't around, that dad has abandoned me, that I don't feel my emotional needs being met because that's too painful. So if I can just shut down, disconnect, not feel, and control my emotions in some way, then I don't have to feel the pain. And so I think now we then take this conditioned way of being that worked for us when we were five to 10 to 20 to 15 to, to 15 to 20 to 25 to 35. And now we've become this version of ourselves that's kind of like closed or not feeling or disconnected or not in touch with our emotions. And so we learn to control as a strategy to be safe. And so this holding on is what ego is. So when you now say surrender, wait a second, you know, it's quite, it's quite natural that surrender is scary. It's quite natural that letting go is terrifying. Surrender for the ego, this conditioned version of ourselves, surrender for the ego feels like a death. And so this is why we tend to resist surrender. Not because the ego is bad, not because something's wrong. It's just survival. It's how we learn to survive. Because now if you're saying, well, surrender and let go to love, and opportunity and a new relationship. But if I have learned how to not feel my feelings and not need anyone because mom and dad weren't around, so I learned that I don't need anyone. I'm going to be the independent person because my needs aren't met. It's painful to have my needs not met. So now I've closed my heart to not have needs, to be independent, to take care of myself. It's a bit difficult to surrender to love. It's a bit difficult to surrender to life. It's a bit challenging to surrender to the universe because like, if I spend my whole life taking care of myself and now you're saying trust life, like to hell with that, I can't trust life. I gotta trust myself. And so ego kicks in and, and says, no, I, I am going to do it all. I am going to be in control. So even control is a strategy and often defense mechanism that we've learned to avoid pain. And control, we mean well, it's just limited. That's all. And I think that if we can acknowledge the nature of the ego, what it is, we have to then acknowledge, oh, the ego is a collection of patterns that we have developed and held onto and hold onto so tightly and have identified as me so that we end up thinking that, oh, if I surrender and let go, we think mistakenly, I am going to die. But what we have to realize is you are not those patterns. You are not the ego. You are not those patterns. What you are is so much more. And so what we've been conditioned to believe ourselves to be, which is ego, is a collection of patterns that can change and shift and evolve and is malleable. It's just conditioning that we hold onto. So when we can understand the nature of the ego, you can start seeing that as you surrender, it's not you that's going to die. The patterns are what loosen. And so rather than, let's just say, rather than forcing surrender, 
which can create more resistance. If we can meet the ego to see for what it is and meet the ego with love, meet the ego with compassion, meet the ego with some kindness and hold the ego with kindness and understanding because often ego is terrified. It's terrified of surrendering because we're afraid if I surrender, I'm going to get hurt. If, I'm, if, I, if I surrender, I'm not going to be safe. If I surrender, bad things might happen. And I learned how to make bad things not happen by being in control. So if we're able just to hold the ego with some loving and compassion and understanding, that's where we can, I think, begin to, the ego can relax and we can begin to bring some healing to the ego, which we thought of as ourselves. And I think healing is when we apply loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. And that's when ego can relax and soften and surrender can begin happening and blossoming within us. Oh, that was so beautiful. I love that. Uh, Kurt, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Sure, I would say a couple of ways. You know, um, people can get the book, The Magic of Surrender. That's number one. It's available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And uh, people can also go to my Instagram, Kurt Blackson, and find me there. Thank you. I'll leave a link to your website in the show notes. Um, it's been an inspirational delight having you on the show. Is there anything you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? Ah, well, I would say is, you know, surrender is the key. I've seen the power of surrender in my life. I've proven it, not just as theory. I could bore you with so many stories after stories after stories of, of how surrender has manifested in my life and the lives of my clients but what i will say is surrender is the passport to freedom and if you want more magic in your life surrender is the key beautiful what beautiful way to end the show thank you so much for being on passion harvest thank you thanks for having me and i love all that you're doing thank you very much bye-bye if you liked this episode please do subscribe for weekly passionate inspirational interviews